Well, we are on part four of a sermon series, which I called Inspiring Testimonies of Jesus' Divinity. And we've used the same text scripture, which I call a launching pad, uh, for each of these four divisions of this message. And that text is found in the epistle of 1 John, chapter 4 and 14, verse 14. Will you stand with me and we'll read that together. The epistle of John, chapter 4 and verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And I've mentioned each time that I've read that, that John never lost his testimony. He still had the testimony. He walked with Jesus. He saw the things that Jesus did. And he still had the testimony, even though here he was an old man that is writing this. He's already written the Gospel of John, and now he is writing a letter. And in this letter, he emphasizes the fact that Jesus was sent by God to be the Savior of this world. And so we need to keep our testimony alive. We need to keep our testimony vibrant about the things of God and about the work of God and about the salvation that can only come to us through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning realizing our inadequacy, realizing our inability, dear Lord, to articulate the word of Scripture, to communicate it to these people this morning. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come, will take the word of truth and apply it to our hearts and make this time together fruitful in our lives to produce a crop of righteousness, faith, obedience to you, dear Lord, and willingness, dear Lord, to watch and observe the things that God would show to us and the things that God wants us to be exercised therein. Have your hand upon us in the continuation of the service this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so for the place I've chosen to go for this fourth message in this series, and if you remember, some of you haven't been here for each one of them, but we, we spoke on, the, on Nathaniel in, out of the book of the Gospel of John. These messages have been brought out of the Gospel of John, and uh, that was chapter 1 where we read about Nathaniel. And then uh, we read about the woman at the well 
and uh, about Jesus revealing to her who he was and about how she went and spread the word. We talked last week about the blind man in the Gospel of John chapter 9 and the fact that uh, this blind man actually worshipped Jesus uh, when Jesus revealed to him who he was, that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah. And now this morning we're going to jump over to chapter 11 in the Gospel of John. And uh, we are going to read a story that's very familiar to many people, but uh, how meaningful this is that Jesus uh, has the power uh, to take care of any problem in our life or beyond our lives, beyond this life, beyond this world. He's still in charge, folks. Uh, it doesn't end. The doctor can only do so much for you. And when the doctor does all that he can do, sometimes uh, it is with sad hearts that doctors have to in, inform people that they're unable to do anymore, that a person has a disease that is terminal, they have a problem that cannot be addressed with surgery, with any kind of, of medical intervention that uh, has been developed, and so uh, they are put on what's called uh, palliative care or hospice care, uh, and, and I do not uh, at all diminish that because it is a wonderful thing uh, when people can receive the kind of medicine they need to numb their pain and to help them deal with, with the closing issues of life. But uh, isn't it good to know that when, uh, when the doctors uh, step out, that Jesus can step in, that Jesus has the answer not only in this life, but beyond this life, and gives a hope that is steadfast and sure, one that assures us that he's still in charge, even beyond now and what we see and what we experience, he's still in charge. So we're looking at John chapter 11. It's, it's a lengthy chapter, and so I'll be telling you some of it, uh, instead of reading all of it to you. Um, I think that uh, when we hear the, the name of Lazarus, uh, we, could, we could mix it up with a person in the scripture uh, that Jesus talked about that was a beggar. But here, this is actually a friend of Jesus. Uh, Lazarus and his sisters were friends of Jesus. And that is Mary and Martha. Martha evidently owned the house, and uh, she had a sister that evidently stayed with her and a brother that stayed with her. Uh, and that is Mary and Lazarus that stayed with Martha. And uh, the scripture tells us that uh, if you read on over into the 12th chapter, it tells us, how much Mary worshiped Jesus and showed her love for him and uh, her, her definite appreciation for him. 
when she anointed his feet and when she put a very costly fragrance on him. So it is mentioned here in this 11th chapter, even though it is still in a future chapter. Uh, but uh, in the course of events, life happens, doesn't it? Uh, the scripture tells us that Lazarus became ill. And the sisters uh, sent word uh, in verse 3 of chapter 11, it says, they sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. He whom thou lovest is sick. Uh, so this was a, spe a special friendship that Jesus had when he was here on this earth. He, he could go to this house he knew that there uh, he would be fed. His disciples were welcome to come. Uh, they may have been people that had a little bit of money. Uh, it appears from some of the things you read about it, they may have, they may have been a, a, a family that uh, had some, some means. But uh, Jesus always felt welcome to be there. And so... Uh, Jesus is sent word, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, it's true that Jesus loves every one of us, isn't it? Uh, the Bible refers to John the Beloved here that wrote this gospel, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It calls him the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, here it says that he loved Lazarus. Uh, why, would, why would a person have that kind of designation? I've told you before, but maybe you don't remember. But the Bible tells us that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. John drew near to Jesus. He wanted to be very close to Jesus. And whenever, whenever we come up close to God to feel his presence and let him work in our lives. What does he do? If we move up, if we move up to him, does he scoot back a couple steps? No, he doesn't do that, does he? If we move up to him, he moves up to us. We even become closer. We even feel his presence even more. And it's important for us to feel the presence of the Lord and his goodness to us, but it is important for us to give Jesus time in our lives. If we want to, if we want to enhance the relationship, uh, you know how it is if, if you are uh, interested in somebody and uh, you, want to, you want to form a relationship, especially with uh, we're thinking about young people that uh, maybe want to uh, want someone to know that they're interested in them uh, as a, maybe a, a future spouse. Uh, you, you don't, you know, just drop a line to them or today it's electronic, isn't it? You wouldn't just send them something and then 
uh, get back to them in a month. Uh, back in, in our day, back in my day, uh, there, there was the telephone call. People actually talked on the telephone to each other and didn't text. You actually heard a person's voice. And uh, sometimes those conversations could get very long and very, very involved. And then, and then when you hung up, you, couldn't, you could hardly wait until the next time when you were able to talk to that person. So the more you pursued that, the stronger the, the attachment became. And the more you wanted, if the person was really pleasing to you, the more you wanted to talk to them, and the more you wanted to hear about them, and you, the more you wanted to communicate with them. Well, folks, it's, that's the way it is with the Lord. If, if we want more of God in our lives, we need to give God more of us. We need to communicate with him, read his word. We need to draw close to him in our lives. And so uh, the Bible tells us that this was, this was a special friend to Jesus. Um, and so when Jesus heard that, that Lazarus was sick, Jesus was a long ways away. He wasn't just in the next neighboring town. You see, things had gotten pretty rough for Jesus. And in, verse, in chapter 10, if you look back over in chapter 10, in the last part of chapter 10, uh, Jesus was almost stoned. I mean with rocks hitting him in the, in the head to kill him. That's what, what the threat was. Uh, and so the scripture says, uh, therefore these people that wanted to do Jesus harm sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Things are very tense. Do you have that? Are you getting that idea that they're very tense? Jesus' life is at risk. Well, you say... Uh, if Jesus is divine, then they couldn't hurt him. Well, he was human. He was human also. And he could feel pain, and he was subject to death. It just wasn't God's time yet for Jesus to die. That was going to take place on the cross. It wasn't going to take place by people throwing rocks at him and hitting, hitting him in the head. He wasn't going to die that way. But... Sometimes in the course of life, we have to use some common sense. And so the scripture says that Jesus went away again beyond Jordan. So here Bethany is, two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus is in what we would call the Transjordan Valley. He's, he's quite a ways away. He's probably a day's travel away from them in the mode of travel that they used, which would have been walking. Uh, so uh, he, is not, he is not just next door. The scripture says that uh, they sent this word to him. <coughs> and Jesus made this statement uh, when he was told this. Now think about it. They said, our brother is sick. The one you love is sick. Jesus knew who that was. But 
By the time the message got to him, what was it? How did he get it? It, it wasn't by text, was it? <laughs> it? It wasn't by phone. How did he get the message? Somebody had to go there with the message, didn't they? And had to carry the message. So there's a day travel to get to where Jesus is. Probably took a day for the message to get to him. So Jesus, when he heard that, said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man might be glorified thereby. So it, it is not for what Jesus is referring to here is that the end of the matter is not going to be death. Now Jesus knew that something was going to transpire that was going to take place, but he said it's not going to end. It's not going to end with physical death. It's not going to end with that. And so the scripture says uh, that when Jesus heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days still in the same place where he was. So now we've got one day travel to get the word. We got two days that Jesus stays there. Now why would he do that? So if we were going to outline this, you could say there was a problem that was presented. That was Jesus' close friend, somebody he loved, was sick. We know that Jesus was at risk, so that's a part of the problem. Jesus was at risk. But now uh, there is a plan. There is a problem. There is a plan that would unfold. Jesus' plan is that he says the final thing uh, that's happening here is not going to be death. And so uh, after two days staying where he was, uh, Jesus didn't go on emergency mission and, and say, I've got to get to him right now. If he would have, uh, he still would have been dead because by the time Jesus got the word, Lazarus may have already been dead. If you count the time up, when we get to that part of the story, you'll find out that Jesus got to Lazarus when he had been dead. Do you remember how long he had been dead? How long had he been dead? I haven't read that to you. You'd have to know it from reading it before. Yeah, four days. And so if Jesus stayed where he was two days, <clears throat> if it took a day to get the message to him, then we got three days. Now it's going to take a day for Jesus to get to Lazarus. There's four days. So he may have been dead by the time Jesus was physically told. Was that the first time Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick? If he's divine, it wasn't. And he is divine. He knew. He knew before he ever got word that Lazarus was sick. He knows what's going on in your life. Nobody has to tell him. Jesus knows what's going on. He knows our problems. He knows our difficulties. This wasn't, this wasn't news to Jesus. 
It was, it was a news carrier that brought it, but he already knew it. But he stayed where he was. And now he says to his disciples, let's go into Judea again. And that's back to Bethany. Let's go back close to Jerusalem. The disciples protested. Uh, they said, uh, the Jews of late sought to stone you. Do you think it's smart to do this, Jesus? Jesus then assured them, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, give an exposition on this, but Jesus assured them that they were safe if they were with him. That he knew, if you recall, when it came time for Jesus to go to the cross, uh, he said, my time has come. Before that, he said, mine hour has not yet come. He knew when he was going to die. He knew why he was going to die, because he is God, because he is divine. And so he said, uh, if, you, if you stay with me, we can go together, and it'll be, you'll be walking with the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, and you'll be protected. <clears throat> and then uh, he said this to his dis disciples. He said, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I, I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Oh, the disciples said, wow, that's a relief. Jesus has already said this sickness is not unto death. Now he said Lazarus is sleeping. Well, yeah, he's probably getting better then. He's recuperating. Uh, if you're resting, if, if, if you're able to sleep, then that means you're getting better probably. But Jesus was talking to his disciples about Lazarus' death. After he said it wasn't going to end in death, now he tells them in verse 14, our friend Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And then he says something uh, that may seem a little strange. So we've talked about the problem. We've talked about the plan that would unfold, Jesus knew about it, and Jesus had a reason. Uh, he said in verse 11, I'm going to awake him out of sleep, the plan. Now we're going to look at the purpose of it all, and we find that in verse 15. But before I go to that, I want to say about the plan. Uh, God does have a plan for every one of us, folks. And we can be confident to rest in His will and His plan for our lives. I, I've been a little disappointed because of what seems to be in Christendom a panic <laughs> over the virus. Uh, because I, Christians in, in ages past have actually exposed themselves to sickness and disease in order to minister, in order to take the word of God. And it seems that in our day, we have more drawn back and, and acted as though uh, our lives are in our own care, that it's what we do. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't use common sense and that we shouldn't use good judgment, but at the same time, you know you can do everything right 
and you can walk out of here and get run over by a Mack truck or maybe a Ford or a Chevy, you know? Some kind of, some kind of vehicle could run you down. Uh, and so our, our lives as Christians are in God's hands, aren't they? He's the one that's in charge. And so, yes, we need to use common sense. And when I go where there's sickness, um, I transported sis to get her, her um, monocolo, you know, that antibody stuff. Uh, we put on heavy mask. I had, I had the heavy mask. And I made her wear a heavy mask, and I wore a heavy mask. Uh, but it was okay. Uh, because, you know, it was something that needed to be done. It wasn't frivolous. It wasn't careless. And you have to trust the Lord. You have to trust the Lord. Yeah, put on protection. Uh, do what you can. But you've got to trust the Lord, that he's got his hand on you. You do what you can, but the Lord's got his hand on you. And if you're doing his will, that he's going to keep his hand on you. So, uh, Jesus said, Lazarus is asleep, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Uh, do you realize how many of you are sound sleepers? How many of you are asleep right now? Uh, raise your hand if you're asleep right now. Uh, okay, yeah, I see two that are asleep in the back. Okay, uh, well, that's good. You woke up to hear that. So... Uh, I, I, I'm not too sound a sleeper, but I can be. Uh, some people, you know, I raised kids that uh, they, it was like they were dead when they were asleep. In fact, I thought, well, I better not go there and tell that story. I'll run out of time here. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. You can't hardly get them awake. And uh, so... Uh, Jesus said, our friend Lazarus is asleep, uh, God had a plan, and he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to wake him out of sleep. That don't make any sense to the disciples. If, if Lazarus is asleep and he's sick, why would Jesus go and disturb him? But he wasn't talking about physical sleep, was he? You know, and that's a whole sermon in itself, that the Bible describes the death of a Christian as sleep because that's the posture of the body. It's not the soul that sleeps. The soul goes to be with the Lord. The spirit goes to be with the Lord. But the body is, is at, as though it were asleep. And Jesus can waken us out of the sleep of death as easy as we can awake somebody else out of a sleep of retiring at night. We can, we, he can arouse us. He can bring us back to conscious existence. And he has that power to do that. So he had a plan. The scripture says, look now at verse 15. There was a purpose in this. Jesus said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. He's talking about when Lazarus died. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. I, I am glad I wasn't there because this is a purpose. 
I want to increase your faith in who I am. I want to increase your faith in who I am. Folks, it's the greatest comfort in the world when somebody puts their faith in Jesus Christ and then the time comes when they're going to leave this world to know that they're in Jesus' care because there's coming a time when God is going to waken the dead. Those that have trusted in him, those that have believed in him, and he is going to waken us up again. Whatever happens to these bodies, he is going to rouse these old bodies of ours with, and give us new bodies, the scripture says. And so uh, he said that's, that's the purpose of this, uh, so that you will believe. So Jesus went on uh, toward Bethany with his disciples, and uh, so he's within two miles of Jerusalem. Remember, they were going to stone him, so he's in very, uh, a, a, a very risky territory. He's in an area uh, that is high risk to him, and he knows that. The scripture says that when he comes, Martha is at the house, and Martha somehow found out that Jesus was coming. Verse 20, she went to meet him, but her sister Mary was still in the house. Mary must not have known that Jesus was there yet. Martha did. Jesus did not come directly to the house. He was outside, away from the house. There, it was the custom of that day to hire people to play the flute and uh, to wail. So it depends on how much money you had as to whether or not uh, how many whalers you had to mourn the death of a loved one. But Martha went out to be with Jesus, and when she came to Jesus, Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he's going to rise again the last day. Jesus said unto her in verse 26, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this, the purpose of it all. Martha, do you believe? Martha, do you believe? And so uh, Jesus gives her that challenge. Uh, do you believe that whoever believes in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And here's the great statement of faith out of this chapter. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She didn't have enough understanding, maybe enough faith to grasp everything Jesus was saying. Friend, you may not understand at all, but if you know who Jesus is and have your faith in him, understanding will come if you keep your faith firmly grounded in Jesus Christ. And so, I believe who you are. I believe why you came if we keep our faith and our trust in him. So, the purpose of it all, belief. And so, the scripture says then, that Mary came out to Jesus. She said the same thing to Jesus that Martha had said. Uh, 
But at that point, they head for the, for the sepulcher. They head for the tomb. And the scripture says <clears throat> uh, that the people that were in the house with Mary thought she was going to go to grieve at the tomb. And they, they went with her. Well, she was going to meet with Jesus. And so uh, here we have the purpose was for them to believe. So when Jesus comes to the tomb, uh, this is where the great scripture, Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the New Testament. <coughs> and we find Jesus groaning within himself. Once again, there's a whole lot of ideas on what all this stuff means, and I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's touched when we are touched, when our hearts are broken. Then uh, the Jews said, well, look how much he loved Lazarus. Couldn't he have made a difference here? He opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, couldn't he have made it so that this man would not have died? Could Jesus have stopped this death? Did Jesus have to go to be there with Lazarus to stop him from dying? Well, think about it a minute. Was there a nobleman's son that needed to be healed and Jesus didn't even go? He just said, I took care of it. You read about that in the scriptures, in the book of John, that Jesus, Jesus performed that without even going. He, he was able to work that miracle at a distance without ever going under the roof of that man's house. And so he could have, he could have said the word from a distance, but remember God's got a plan, and that is Jesus wants to once again validate who he is, that he is God the Son, that he has the power to do this. And so the scripture says that they come to the tomb, all this grieving, uh, that could have broke Jesus' heart because they're acting like this is the end, uh, there's nothing beyond this. That may break Jesus' heart today when God's people act like there's nothing beyond this life, that this is the end, that there's nothing future. So the scripture says, that they came to the tomb. In verse 39, Jesus said, <coughs> Take ye away the stone. Protest. <laughs> Protest. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that, Jesus. You don't want to do that. Remember, we're in an eastern country. It's pretty warm here. Remember, how long has he been dead? And so the scripture says that he had been dead for four days. What happens in four days in humid weather? They did not embalm. They wrapped the body with spices, with cloth wrappings, and they loosely wrapped it. They didn't wrap it like a mummy, like in Egypt. So it was loosely wrapped. And so he's been there four days, so the sisters are protesting. <clears throat> Jesus, 
you know, you want to show your respect, and, and you weren't here when Lazarus died, but this probably isn't the best way to show your respect, to want to look at Lazarus and take this stone away, because when we take the stone away, there's going to be an unpleasant odor that comes out of that, out of that tomb. So you maybe want to leave the stone over the door, and whatever you want to do, just leave the stone there and say whatever words you want to say. But Jesus was testing their faith, wasn't he? They had to, they had to agree to move the stone. They had to agree to move the stone. If they'd have said, no, we are not going to move that stone, Jesus had the power. He could, have, he could have blown that stone clear out of the re region, couldn't he? But he wants us to do that when he gives us a challenge of faith. He gives us a job to do. Will you move the stone? Will you move the stone so that I can do the miracle? Some of us will not allow God to work because we will not remove the obstacle. We keep that there and we make that something that is not anything that can be debated or any way done away with. That stone's going to stay there. Some of you don't have a miracle in your lives because you've not allowed God to work in your lives because you haven't removed the obstacle you haven't removed the problem. You keep it there, and it blocks the blessing of God. But aren't you glad these girls were not that way? These sisters, they, they, they moved the stone, the scripture says. And when they moved the stone, don't forget now, we're looking now, we're down, we're down to point four. Uh, we've seen the purpose, the purpose was that they would believe, and part of that purpose was fulfilled when they allowed the stone to be removed, or to be moved. But now we're going to see the power to perform the great miracle. So that was pretty good for me. I did four Ps. The, the problem, the plan, the purpose, and the power. And so the scripture says that when he stood outside that tomb, he said, Father, Father. That's the first word he said. He lifted up his eyes and said, Father, because he is the Son of God and because he is God the Son. And so the source of his power not only who he is, he is Messiah, he is God the Son, but he prayed prior to the command. He prayed. Jesus, you know, sometimes we just want to think what Jesus said, but before he said, gave the command, the scripture says that he prayed. And he, said, and he prayed loud. He said, uh, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. 
but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. How do I know he prayed loud? Because he said, I want all these people to know. I want them all to know that you've sent me. And then, after he had prayed, the scripture says that he, he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, here the tomb is open. Get the picture. Here, here Lazarus comes out of the tomb. Now, I didn't, I didn't time this to be with Halloween, but what do you think if you see somebody coming out of the tomb? Then you know they were dead. You know they were, just be quiet, Roman, I'm preaching. You can talk to me after service. <clears throat> you know that the people that were there, some of them were involved in wrapping the body. They knew Lazarus was dead. They had wrapped him and put the spices on him. They knew he was gone. But now, here he comes walking out of the tomb. I like what uh, Joseph Dongrel said in the Wesley Commentary. He said that John was reserved in relaying the story. He says John doesn't make, there's no mention of how Lazarus came out if feet were wrapped tight. No mention I mean, that would hinder a person walking. No mention of gasp, shrieks, or screams from the crowd. No mention of Mary and Martha, a voice with tears of joy. No mention of a tender embrace between Jesus and his reclaimed friends. He recorded to take the wraps off of him that were hindering him from going. <clears throat> Folks, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth. Do you know when Jesus is going to shout again? You read about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend. Now this isn't somebody the Lord's sending. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. How? With a shout, come forth. And it's going to electrify the atmosphere of this whole world it's never been, as it's never been electrified before. And the graves of those who sleep in him and those even ashes, he knows the DNA. They're going to receive new bodies and they're going to be raised to be with him forever. And so we have this hope in Jesus Christ. He is going to shout, Again, and that shout is going to be the great rapture of the church because the dead in Christ shall rise first. The scripture tells us that the, Jesus then said, take the wraps off of him. And somebody has observed that's the job of the church, to take the grave clothes, the wraps, off of a person that has been made new in Christ, raised from the dead, so that they can go forth.
to show the good works of Christ in their life. It's the church's job to loose them and to help them to be free to go and share. Yes, <clears throat> all of it was for the purpose of believing, believing that Jesus is who he said he is, who he said he was, who he said he is, and he still is, folks. He still is today. He still is the Christ of glory. Will you stand with me this morning? I ask you to bow your heads. You know, there's plenty of power that we can receive through Jesus Christ to make us more than conquerors through him to live victorious lives. He can, he can raise the dead. He can give those that are spiritually death, dead new life and power to walk and live lives that are pleasing to him. So we'll wait for a moment. If you have a need of prayer this morning, we invite you to come and pray. Bring your need to Jesus. Aren't you glad he is divine? He is all-powerful. We need to be serious about Jesus, folks. We need to be serious about Jesus. Let's gather in for prayer with these that have come.